0: Hey, everybody! Welcome back. This is the 2-Minute Drill. I am Dan Malin, joined, as always, by Mike Alexander. We normally cover MMA together on a weekly basis, but today we are covering fantasy football news. Mike, how you doing? Let's make this real quick.
1: I' Doing okay uh, for having put money on the Eagles' overs last night. And uh, and if you weren't watching my Twitter, I I put my head into a car door. That's unfortunate. Uh, Even more
0: unfortunate... Uh, some people like myself have Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb in the same league and it's a league where it's one of my higher stakes leagues I get $35 per week for every week that I'm the highest scorer in the league the last two weeks I've cashed in 70 bucks. I feel like I'm almost back to paying my entry fee for this league and all of a sudden within seconds Eckler and Chubb are both gone they're going to miss multiple weeks how is this possible and what do I do going forward
1: yep yeah. <laughs> It's a that's a big question, you know, you're you're scrambling and running back for sure. Uh, the hell of a hole to be. In. Yeah, I I've, I've got a dynasty team with those two, Devonte Adams and Michael Thomas that was my my baby and uh the wheels have all come off of that one. All
0: right, so like obviously I write the waiver wire every week and, and my biggest problem this week was that, you know, typically with injuries in the first few weeks, I had the luxury of finding guys on the waiver wire that were obvious replacements. But with Nick Chubb, the obvious replacement is going to be Kareem Hunt. Yep. Um, with with Austin Eckler, it's going to be Joshua Kelly. How much emphasis are you putting into Justin Jackson this week?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, Justin Jackson uh, and some of the options in Cleveland, like Darius Johnson, right. you know, they're, they're probably still going to be committees. Um, you know the thing about Joshua Kelly is we haven't seen it, but through the limited camp practice, they they did say he's got some receiving chops. So you know obviously he's not Austin Eckler's role, but he maybe is the guy in for third downs and passing work, where Joshua uh, Justin Jackson is the guy who is going to get some of that uh, battering ram style stuff that Kelly can do. But you know you can't you can't give him 30 carries a game. You got to spell him you know, keep him to 18, 20 carries as a rookie. So um, it'll be interesting. And then, you know, over in Cleveland, they really like Kareem Hunt in in the passing role. You know, he does a great job there. They're going to be trailing a lot. Uh, They're a really bad team in my opinion. So, you know, maybe he does get spelled for things like goal line work uh, where they were comfortable doing that with, with Hunt and Chubb already. So, Uh, you know, a tough situation to predict, but you got to take a shot uh, if you're losing one of those two guys, especially.
0: All right. Love it. I apologize if there are any awkward silences. We're recording in the middle of the Patriots-Chiefs game. If you know me, I'm a Patriots fan. Damian Harris just ripped off a hell of a run. We're down 13-3. We're going to come back and win this one. Uh, But ironically enough, Mike, earlier today I was a little iffy when I asked you this question because – So I send Mike programming notes before every podcast. And I said, do we want to talk about which potential coach gets fired first? And I sent this around 2 p.m. And I want to say around 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, we get the official word that Bill O'Brien has been fired by the Houston Texans. Uh, So that kind of answers my first question that I wanted to send you, but I was a little iffy on talking about that. I don't like talking about people's jobs. Bill O'Brien is officially out of Houston. Romeo Cornell steps in as the interim coach. What can we really expect from Houston? It's like, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of Will Fuller. I own him in, in a lot of my leagues. I understand the the health frustrations, the hamstring injuries that he has. But at the same time, it's like in my Hot Takes article last night for Fantasy Alarm, I wrote that Deshaun Watson is not a top 10 fantasy quarterback. And I still kind of stand by that. This team has struggled to really get the ball going, even though they've been trailing a lot in games and they they have garbage time potential. What can we expect from Houston going forward?
1: Right, yeah. Watson just has too much put onto his shoulders. Bad offensive line, uh, lost playmakers around him. You know, the the Hopkins trade is definitely one of the nails in the coffin for O'Brien. I don't know how you let him pull that off uh, if he's a guy you're even going to consider canning in week four. That's like
0: one of those things where it's like you don't give the head coach and the GM that power. Like, how is there no one to just put a stop on that trade? Right. When you're I mean, trading the best receiver in the league for a broken yeah. down running back.
1: I mean, I, I know a lot of GMs don't have to run things through ownership, but when it's your franchise player or one of your franchise players, right. and you know, you're aware of the contract situation as an owner, you know, he, he had, he had, he signed off on that. There's no doubt. So, you know, I don't, I don't feel bad for the team uh, because of their, their bad decision-making and some of their prior comments about uh, uh, their, their players. Uh, but, you know, where it goes from here? Hopefully, removing O'Brien's—I want to—I don't want to say inconsistent play calling, but just you know, he hasn't been good at it the, the whole time. There, he got bailed out by lucking into Deshaun Watson in the draft, and and that's where their success stemmed from. So hopefully, it stabilizes a little bit for Watson. And you do see when when coaches get fired, you know, there is a all right, I got to play for my job now because the last guy liked me. But now I got to put something on tape so that the next guy can see that that you know I'm I'm worth starting, I'm worth having a job. Um, so it, and maybe at least for a little while we we get some of that with uh, the Texans. All
0: right, the NFC East is a combined three, 12 and one through four weeks of professional football. They are uh, basically if the Falcons knew how to fall and just tackle a watermelon, <laughs> recover a football, they are they are one from being two. 13 and one the Seahawks and Bills have more wins than this entire division right now. The Cowboys are going to be a gem going forward for fantasy because their defense is so bad and the offense is going to have to go off every single week. Could this be the first time we see a division winner go six and 10 or six, nine and one in the case of the Philadelphia Eagles who already have a tie. is This the first time we see a six win division winner.
1: I don't think so. Maybe 7-8-1 if it's the Eagles. That, that could be the only one where there's a 7-9 and nine team and they've, they've got the 7-8-1 kicker. Um, but hey, as, a, as an NFC East apologist, let me just say, Philly beat San Francisco. Uh, Seattle barely beat the Dolphins. The Cardinals lost to the Philly
0: Panthers. beat a depleted San Francisco. Let's be completely
1: honest here. Philly is also depleted. Their entire offensive line is their practice squad besides their center. Uh, They're wide right. receivers. Are- so it was
0: like junior, it yeah. was like the junior A league or whatever, yeah. beating another just beat up team. Like, it, like- it was not a primetime game. No, really. no, no. Was it like was a very post-time. ugly,
1: but it Philly Philly still got it done, you know? So it it, it it irked me a little bit that the broadcast was showing the NFC best graphic while one of the NFC bests were losing to the NFC uh, leasts or whatever they were terming it so but yeah you know if you can target the giants uh washington uh, philly's defense had some teeth last night but they're you know their secondary has issues uh, especially against the tight end and then um dallas yeah just it's a carnival uh and they're gonna they're gonna push you uh to go the other direction because dak and and what he can do and the receivers and everything going there so that's we ran into that problem with the rams playing the giants they just never needed to put their foot on the gas you know i, I had a lot of Robert Woods and, and Daryl Henderson that went nowhere, you know,
0: got single incredibly digits. Incredibly disappointing game from the Rams. Yeah, Because, it's just- like, I'm a, I'm a huge Daryl Henderson guy. I wrote him up yeah. in the playbook. I thought he was the priority grab after week two. I thought he was the guy to get over Mike Davis. And to just sit there and watch him in week four get out-carried or out-touched by, Mike, by Malcolm Brown, it's incredible. Daryl Henderson has so much more talent than Malcolm Brown. And, and I get Cam Akers will eventually come back and cut into everybody's work. A little bit. But at the same time, you know, Sean McVay has been a guy where he's like, we're going to carry the hot hand. We're going to ride the hot hand. And you have a hot hand for two weeks and you don't go with him again in, in an easy cupcake matchup. It's just mind-blowing.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is he never needed to take a chance. You know, the, the, the Giants never even pushed that envelope. So I guess he was happy getting the win and, and uh, getting out of – Uh, or was that in, that that game was in LA. So I guess they were home. So it makes it even worse, but uh, (laughs) you know, uh, it's, it's, it is what it is there. So, you know, you want to target Dallas over the giants and and the Washington football team as well. They are not trying to win games. They are not playing fast at the end of games. Uh, If they get some chunk plays, then yes, you know, they, they do some nice things. Antonio Gibson had a decent game, but um, you know, you want to make sure. you you got to have that that other side pushing uh, to keep that total going up. So that's something that, you know, you can't just take a cake matchup. All
0: days. right. The Patriots just scored a touchdown. We are down 13-10, to 10, but we will move on. The Cleveland Browns are 3-1, and winners of three straight. They seem to have finally gotten Odell Beckham going in the offense. And based on what we've heard today from their head coach, the offensive coordinator, it seems like they understand they need to keep this, this kind of production going with Odell and we're coming off yeah. a huge Odell Beckham game. This seems like the kind of Odell Beckham game we got in his first or second year with the Giants when when Eli was healthy and and they were really throwing it a ton. How much can how, is this legitimate or is this just a foul? Is this a flash in the pan for Cleveland? Can we rely on this going forward for the Browns? Because I wouldn't they, say they they historically just let people
1: down. Yeah, I wouldn't say flash in the pan, but it is it's going to be hit and miss. You know, they were playing Dallas, so they they had to keep doing it. They had to call reverses late in the game to Odell to run fifty yards for touchdowns because uh, Dallas was raring back. Um, but Baker Mayfield is the problem there. You, you, they they know they've got to limit him. Uh, if they can fix him down the road, that's a different story. But right now, it's just his decision making is not optimal. He's playing scared. He's making mistakes. It's getting no, I agree. better. It's, it's,
0: it's kind of crazy because it's like they put on, they put up forty nine points, uh, and yet he only threw the ball twenty times.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you, I, I smashed the under prop on him. It was two seventy, I think. I was getting nervous, and then he didn't even get close to it. Um, you know, it was it was a lot of rushing, a lot of Odell doing stuff, trick plays. Jarvis Landry threw a touchdown to Odell. So, you know. You take some of that away because that can't happen every game. He has a one-touchdown game, and you know, it's a nice it's a nice day to have a touchdown anytime your receiver gets it. But I don't think we're going to see these three touchdown games. Kareem Hunt is going to be the the show there. They're going to try and get the ball to him every way they can, running, short passing. Uh, he's really good in patterns as well. He's he's the guy to own in Cleveland.
0: All right, so we touched on Odell Beckham Jr. his breakout game. We also had monster games from Joe Mixon, who was struggling for the fir- through the first three weeks, and we get a monster game from George Kittle coming back uh, against the Eagles, which we kind of alluded to earlier. What can we, what weight can we put into, you know, Joe Mixon having a good game? Because for the longest time, you know, I I'm in the the NFL seasonal chat. I'm answering Twitter questions Sunday morning. You know, I I understand like. You know, for the first few weeks, I was giving bad advice telling people to start Joe Mixon. What can we expect from Mixon going forward? Because the problem is is that last year he ended the season on a high. The offense ran through him. The problem now is that it's still a bad offensive line, but the offense pretty much runs through Joe Burrow, and he has weapons at his disposal at his disposal. Mixon is one of them, but also Tyler Boyd has been getting a lot of targets as well. T. Higgins has emerged the last two weeks with 16 targets over that span. A.J. Green, he, you know, he had those air yards and that dot stat that, that you hear about from the uh-huh. Sabermetrics nerds from the first two weeks, but he's kind of been nothing. You know, what do we expect from Joe Mixon and George Kittle going forward? I assume George Kittle is the safer option, regardless of who's that quarterback for the 49ers. But what do we do with Joe Mixon going forward? Because three touchdowns, it's hard to ignore going forward.
1: Definitely. Uh, and, and you know, the 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 rising tide uh, buoys all boats there. Joe Burrow coming to town is definitely making things happen. Successful offenses have more points to go around. Uh You know, you don't get to play Jacksonville every week, though. That's the problem. Um, (laughs) I think you're not going to have him in the start-sit conversation probably the rest of the season, unless things go really sideways. Um, But, yeah, definitely want to temper expectations. It is nice to see him catching a touchdown, getting involved in the passing game, because that's really where you need an RB1 to, you know, pump up their points from. They need those four or five catches, possibly a receiving touchdown here and there. And uh, you know, juice those days up. On the Kittle front, you know, he's just the only you know, the only game in town right now for the 49ers. Yes, they've got Ayuk, who's looks like pretty healthy. You know, uh, leaped over an entire human being last night, and um, you know, you don't do that if you're got if you've got a sore hammy. But uh, you know, um, they're getting healthier, but still, the Kittle show. Uh, they're calling running plays to him, reverses, screen passes. They're going to get the ball in his hands uh, as many times as it takes. And, you know, they almost did last night, but just couldn't quite uh, get my Eagles. All right, really quick, what are you looking forward to in week five? So I think the game a lot of people are going to be talking about is uh, Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. That game is usually good for a lot of points. Uh, Neither defense particularly great offenses. You know, obviously the Chiefs, one of the best Raiders more than capable. Uh, so we could get a little bit of a shoot out there. I like Josh Jacobs in that game. Kind of, you can, you can get the chiefs on the ground and the Raiders will commit to that running game. But the game I think is a little bit underrated uh, is those Cincinnati Bengals taken on the Baltimore Ravens divisional game and, and plenty for scoring with two young quarterbacks going back and forth. All right.
0: Love it. Thank you, Mike so much for your time. That is the two minute drill. I'm Dan Malin. He is Mike Alexander. We will be back next week, following up week five. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.